morning everyone this is judith a cope you're listening to mad love what's going on how are you living happy friday you know friday for me is all downhill there's a residual of emotions i'm all in my feelings because basically i've had a week (laughs) you know what i mean like i went through some things i've said some things i've done some things you know all of that so here we are just out here living our best lives and uh you know, uh, one of my friends uh, wanted to text me and let me know that she really enjoyed yesterday's show. She thought it was sweet and nurturing. And uh, thank you. That's nice. You know, I'm impressed. A lot of I get a lot of listeners these days, and most of them aren't my friends, you know, mo- mainly because 7% of my audience comes from uh, France. Uh, I don't think I have any friends that live in France. <laughs> um but yeah, and, and, you know, they don't do a lot of uh, specificity with the metrics and the analytics you can't really see a lot of definition, like where in America, but, or where in France, but it's nice to know, you know, the podcast is global and uh, thank you so much for digging it. I appreciate it. Um, again, like I said, I'm in my feelings. I had a conversation yesterday with a fellow uh, coworker, a black male. I am a black female. Uh, I hope that's not a problem. (laughs) Um, And I think I blew the doors off of his barn when I said I wasn't a liberal. Um, Because, you know, and he's from Boston. Uh, So it's and and I'll be honest with you. I like Massachusetts. It's a blue state. Uh, It's fun to be in a blue state. I was there when uh, Barack was being elected, actually. So that was actually fun. Um, but I will say, uh, I'm not liberal. Uh, and I'm, I don't consider myself a Democrat. I don't like where the party is headed. Uh, I don't like extremism. So liberalism doesn't work for me. Uh, in recent history, I've met some liberals and I'm like, whoa, I, I'm definitely not this. Um, and he was shocked. I mean, he just was like, whoa, what? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm a moderate. I I don't like the extremes. I don't like extreme conservative, which the Republicans are not conservative at all. Uh, Not really. Um, And I don't like extreme liberalism. He was like, well, I guess I fall in the middle, too. You know, Uh, and he's a smart guy, attorney, you know, and I was like, I, um, you know, I just I feel like and and we kind of, you know, got into it. I just, you know, I chop it up with people and I don't know him that well. And I may be sealing the fate of our relationship, (laughs) but you know, he admitted that he too usually falls into the middle. And I was like, the middle is where it makes sense. If you're on the extreme, that's when things seem murky because you're so beholden to crazy ideas that you can't even, you know, and one idea that I think is crazy is like, you know, trying to make things free. We are a capitalistic society, have been for the 200 something years we've been around. Uh, however old America is, I can't remember right now. We're we're young. We're a baby nation. And we we hung our hat on democracy and capitalism. And we're not going back. You know, if you wanted to make college free or whatever, that was a conversation we should have had in the 1800s when most of these colleges were being built. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like this people who have money aren't giving it up. And then, you know, I, I found that it is deeply ingrained in everyone's psyche, not just, 
white people's psyche, but in everyone's psyche that that if you're white, you have money and privilege. <laughs> and I'll tell you something. I'm not saying white privilege doesn't exist, but everybody who's white isn't privileged. There are a lot of poor, unprivileged white people in America. And uh, this conversation where you can interchange uh, wealth with the with the race, you know, like, oh, he's white. So that person's automatically wealthy or he's black. That person's automatically poor. Well, I don't know a lot of poor black people, to be honest with you. Um, I know a lot of working class folks, and I also know some very uh, wealthy folks that are uh, that are black. And I know some ultra wealthy folks that are black and they are having life experiences that you are not having. Their kids are hanging out with the Obamas. You see what I'm saying? Like, stop acting like we're having this collective black experience and everybody who's black is struggling and suffering. And it's all because of racism. That bothers me more than anything in the world. There are a lot of black people who aren't even having discussions about racism because it's not really phasing them. If you have money, you may be excluded from things. You may even say you can't even get in a club that that doesn't want you. Well, you may not want to be in that club. You know what I mean? But you're on another yacht. You know, you're in another country club. You know, I'm not saying racism doesn't exist. That would be naive. It absolutely does. But it's not just a domain of white people against black people. It's it's black people can say racist things. I've heard a lot of racist shit from other black people. (laughs) Um, You know, so it's just I feel like we have these narrow myopic conversations and we get these hard line views and it traps us. And I think the worst thing that a black person can do is to continue to sit up and say, I'm not where I want to be because of racism. Because maybe it is, but maybe it's you. Maybe it's not racism at all. Maybe you're just not the person they wanted to hire. Not because you're black, but because you're you. Maybe you're just not good at it. Maybe you're just not the right fit. Maybe you're not good at your job. Maybe somebody's criticizing you because you're just not good at it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it infantilizes us as a race when we just go, oh, it's it's all because we're black. You know, and I'll tell you something. I learned to question everything at Howard University, which is a historically black uh, college university. It's an HBCU. And it was there that I learned to think, to analyze, to focus and to understand that black people have to be impeccable. And if you're not impeccable, you you're not going to be successful because you have to you can't make mistakes. You have to be 10 times better than the person around you. I remember there was a uh, professor I had and and she, I mean, she ripped us. So we had a video class. I think I may have told this story on the podcast. We had a video class. Uh, it was speech and she was going to videotape our speeches. And the first two people went and they weren't great. And we weren't prepared. People weren't really taking it seriously. And she stopped the camera. She walked to the front of the class and she proceeded to rip us a new one for about 10 to 15 minutes. And this was, you know, it's college. So normally you don't really get into a a scrape with your professor. You know what I mean? Like you do your work, you have a discussion and, you know, you take the exams and that's, you know, if you're doing your work, you're cool. But apparently this day we rubbed her the wrong way. She was like, I'm not going to stand here for another, you know, 
that was a 90, that was a Tuesday, Thursday. So it was a 90 minute class. She was like, I'm not going to stand here for a whole another 90 minutes while y'all, you know, basically bullshit. You know, you clearly didn't prepare. You're clearly not focused. You clearly uh, are blowing off the assignment. I'm insulted. And then she just went on like, you know what? This is Howard University. We love you here. But when you go out into the real world, they don't love you out there. You can be up against the same uh, a person with the exact same resume, with the exact same credentials, and you have to be twice as good as they are because that's how it is for black people. You know, you just have to get out here and be excellent. And so she ripped us, ripped us, ripped us. We came back on Thursday. Everybody was prepared. Class went great. And, um, you know, obviously this is something that happened many, many years ago. I don't know. This was like 1990, <laughs> 90. Yeah, 90. And uh, she just went off and it stuck with me, obviously. And it's something I think about all the time. I watch people of color not be excellent and then they get upset because they're getting criticized and it's like if you didn't know that you had to be impeccable whose fault is that you know what I mean I I I watch it all the time play out I remember in tennis Martina Hingis threw a fit she was from Switzerland I think the Swiss Miss whatever she threw a fit and crossed the net like that is the worst thing you could ever do but when when Serena would just scowl and yell at the judge for a really wrong call, I mean, she was vilified. She was made to be like she was, you know, like she murdered the judge or something. So it's like it's a double standard and it's fucked up. I'm not saying it's not fucked up, but stop. Stop using that as an excuse. I said this to myself yesterday. Stop making excuses. Yes, certain things aren't exactly the way you want them to be. But even my brain is tired of hearing me complain about it and make excuses. It is what it is. I know what it is. Put your head down, do the work, figure out a solution, but stop complaining. And I feel like a good dose of that would be great for all people and black people. I am a black people and I'm tired of us complaining about the same things. What's the solution? Can we move to the solution phase? You know, and liberalism has not helped us. <laughs> Under Democrats, jail population has not diminished. And you want to know why? Because politics can't fix society. You know, at the end of the day, if we want to see less people in jail, we need to make fewer criminals. I'm not saying stop having sex and don't make kids. I am saying be a better parent and create better environments for your kids to be born into. Because if you don't have any money and you it, it's the same formula. And I recognize if I was a middle-aged white man and I said this, it would be, you know, furor and But the reality is we can all see what it is. If you don't have very much money and you decide you're going to have five, six kids, that's not a recipe for long-term financial health. Let's plan these things out. Let's come up with alternative solutions. Let's make our own jobs. Let's create our own businesses. It is possible, but... You have to actually do it. And I don't know. I think it's changing a society is hard because you have to change people's minds and you have to change their emotions because we are really attached to our victimhood, honey. I mean, I was having a conversation with a friend yesterday and it's like, you know, if you really want to stir the pot with some angry black people, just mention the fact that we are not the only society that was built off of slave labor, man. 
I'm telling you, you are going to start a riot, but it's true. It's still facts, but people don't want to hear the facts. They only want to stick with what they believe. And I'm not saying slavery is not egregious. It is. It was horrible. But many societies were built off the the labor of other people. I'm not diminishing it. I'm not absolving anybody. It's horrendous. But we need to elevate our conversation and our consciousness so that we can grow and stop having the same problems. And I get it. A lot of people don't live in cities with issues like the one I live in. Um, but I, I had an issue with somebody uh, last year. They said St. Louis is like stuck in the, what did she, what did she say? I can't remember what she said, but she said uh, like the twenties or the thirties. And I was like, no, nah, it might be the forties. It doesn't matter. This place is stuck and it's not going to get unstuck until we think about ourselves as, as an entire community. As long as we all keep worrying about what white people are doing and and black people stay in their feelings and rich people don't care about the poor people and all of these different separations until we can all look at the problems as St. Louisans and not just whatever individual bag you're in, we this place is going to sink. And I'm be honest with you, I won't be around to watch it. You know, I've hung on as long as I have because I have family here. But you know what? It might be time to go. This this might be one of the cities that just implodes. I mean, it's the, the violence, the crime, and there's so many great people here. It really, really bothers me. Um, this is where I grew up. Everything happens here for me. You know, like every all my favorite music, so many great memories. But it's like, you know, a lot of great people that I consider my peers have had to move because... The pay is better other places. You know, there are a lot of people I know that that are living their best lives and they couldn't have done it here because the jobs aren't here. The industry isn't here. <sighs> St. Louis is choking itself out and it, and it makes me sad, really. It really does. And I hope things get better and I hope things change and I'm trying to do my part. But one thing about me, I know when it's time to make an exit. <laughs> No one will ever be like, she overstayed her welcome because I will be out of the door and I won't look back. I don't uh, question a lot of my decisions. Once I'm done, I'm really done. And I don't want that to be my relationship with St. Louis because I like it. It's home. And there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of good people here. Smart, funny, amazing people here. And the food ain't bad. So... That's what I'm in my feelings about. And I think St. Louis is really just a microcosm of the whole country. I said yesterday, and I mean it. If the if the 99% would stop focusing on things that make us different and focus on the fact that we're a collective group of people who don't have 1% of the wealth, and if the 99 decided we were on it to explore some issues as a group, that would be a powerful narrative. Let's work on that. <laughs> 